This is the Kavnis HR Podcast, and we want you to be great every day. Join us as we transform the human resources outsourcing industry while we talk to small business owners, founders, and people in tech, startup, and HR spaces. Now, please welcome your host, Jason Kavnis. Hello, and welcome to Kavnis HR Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Kavnis. Our guest today is Charlie Judy. Charlie, are you ready to be great today? I am indeed, Jason. Thanks for asking. Charlie has forged a successful career over 25 years as an HR executive with some of the world's most prominent professional service organizations, including Deloitte, Navigant, and Baker Chili. He has transversed the global economy while living and working in New Orleans, New York, St. Louis, Brussels, Belgium, and Hyderabad, India. Charlie is a renowned blogger, published author, and speaker with a penchant for disrupting the management norms to which we've fallen prey. He's a soft after, after expert on workplace cultures. He is now the CEO and founding partner of WorkXO, a workforce technology company. Forward-thinking leaders and growth-oriented organizations use the workplace genome, the cloud-based culture management platform, to measure and analyze the organization's culture to uncover the distinct priorities for heightening their success and to gather teams in meaningful action on, on them. Charlie's a CPA and SPHR and SHRM-SCP. He's a graduate of Tulane University's A.B. Freeman School of Business. He currently resides in Chicago, in Chicago's family of five, dog included. Yeah, I include my dog in my family too. So Charlie, yeah, before I turn over to you, I just want to publicly thank you for the help you gave me a couple years ago. As many of you know, I got the Army a couple years ago, and Charlie was one of the people I reached out to. He was a great, great help. He helped me redo my resume. I just want to publicly thank you for that, Charlie. Really oh, it's my, my pleasure. Always, always interested in being part of the community and uh, helping where I can. So thanks for that. So Charlie, what are you, what's going on in your life right now? I know you're pretty busy with your new company. Yeah, that's to put it, to put it lightly. Yeah. I mean, so I, for, for your, for your audience and uh, anyone who's interested, I spent about 20, 20 plus years as a, uh, as an HR leader in kind of traditional corporate America. And then for a variety of reasons, most of which were kind of the culmination of those 20 years, uh, I decided to finally take a leap about two and a half years ago and, and scratch an entrepreneurial itch. I knew I wanted to build something. I was pretty sure I wanted it to be a technology. I knew I wanted it to be in the workforce space. And I thought I wanted it to have something to do with culture. And that's ultimately kind of where we've landed. It's about a year to do the research and to validate the product and the solution and to spend a lot of time with the market, really understanding what the needs were. And through that and a, and a lot of trial and error and, and effort, we launched our technology back in January of this year. It's a culture management platform, which is designed to help organizations really start to get intentional about managing their cultures. If you think about it, workforces and organizations use technology to manage really any aspect of the career experience from recruiting to comp and bend to learning and development and performance management and even offboarding or exiting. Yet we don't have anything that really helps us manage what we all claim to be maybe one of the most important things about that culture or that career experience and that's culture. So from measuring that culture, analyzing it, understanding it, getting better data on it, and then actually doing something with it. That's what our platform is designed to do. And I'm busy with trying to grow that business, uh, working with fun companies, fun clients, all really passionate organizations that are starting to get really serious about taking this cultural thing and kind of putting their money where their mouth is. So that's what I'm doing. 
Charlie, so why is, why is now the right time to start this company? Why not like three years ago or two years in the future? Why do you think, why do you believe right now is the time for this company to make an impact on business? And it's a great question. I mean, I, I think as with most solutions, whether we're talking about workforce or otherwise, there comes this kind of inflection point where organizations realize that they've been talking about something as being important and it shows up more and more in boardrooms, in leadership discussions, in planning sessions, in strategic exercises, yet we're confused about really what does it mean and what are we doing about it? And I think we've been talking about culture, we collectively, the world of work has been talking about culture for a decade at least, you know, in, in at least some substantive way. But we're also talking about it in a little bit of a different way. If I ask you to define culture, it's likely going to be different than the way the person next to you defines it. And even if I go within the same organization and ask, that organiza ask employees within that organization to define culture, they're going to explain it a little bit differently. And so how do we get serious about it if we all kind of have a different definition for it? I think we've just reached that inflection point. I think people and organizations have realized, you know what, this is for real. We got to start doing something about it and probably need to be using a technology that can help us and facilitate that process. So that, that's kind of, the, that's, and when we went through that whole research phase of, of really about a year, that's one of the things that we uncovered as we talked to HR leaders throughout the country. Charlie, are you finding like certain organizations or industries are signing up? Like, for example, I would think like a tech company would sign up for you before like a construction company would. Are you seeing any trends like that? Another good question. I mean, so far we've actually seen success across a number of verticals. I will tell you that we have quicker conversations with organizations that are a little bit more progressive to begin with or by design. And in fact, you know, technology and kind of high-tech software developers is one of those verticals. That doesn't mean though that we haven't had good conversations with those industries that are a little bit more conservative. I, I think what we're finding is that it has a little bit more to do with kind of where the organization is on its maturity curve. Organizations, for instance, that are faced with high growth or rapid growth, irrespective of its industry or vertical, are really starting to focus culture for a lot of reasons, but mostly because they're a little bit nervous about losing what it was that got them there to that point to begin with and recognizing that culture can be at risk when dealing with high growth. So that's one of the places where we, we recognize uh, or we, we have good conversations. I think also those organizations that are faced with change, leadership change, strategic change, new product, new markets, this realization that if we're going to do this thing the right way, we better get really smart about what's happening with our culture and let's make sure that we've got the right foundation in place to do this and get the return that we expect. So it's a little bit more about maturity than it is about vertical problems. So Charlie, as you, I'm sure you know, there's a lot of leaders out there who will say, I have a great culture, but in reality they don't. What's, why is this disconnect out there? Yeah, well, I think one of the biggest disconnects is starting with the assumption that there is such a thing as a great culture or a bad culture. I mean, that's, it's such a relevant term. It's such a, such a relative term. It goes back to this thing that we've all signed up for in the last 20 years, this notion that you can either be a great place to work or not. I mean, great place to work for who? For, for you? For me? That's a different set of criteria and parameters for every individual we talk to. Yet we, we try to kind of plug everybody into this one-size-fits-all definition. And that's not the way culture is. A culture is less about good and bad and more about right or wrong. You have to develop the culture that's going to drive your success. And what drives the success of Zappos or Amazon or pick your favorite you know, culture cool kid is different than what drives your organization's success. It should be, most likely. And so the sooner we get focused on understanding first, what is our culture? 
let's let's get introspective. Let's get authentic about that. Let's get real about that. Let's own it. And then let's understand which of these things are actually important to us. Which of these things are going to drive our success? Not somebody else's success, but our success. Let's stop worrying about great or good and start start focusing on right. That's kind of, that's a shift in the model that we're really trying to take to the market. Charlie, switching gears a little bit, there's a lot of people graduating with bachelor's degrees next year. For those who want to get in career HR, what advice would you have for them? I mean, I think there's, there, there are a lot of things to think about. First, take what you can get, you know, don't be too proud about your first job because your first job is likely to be, not likely to be your last job. You know, there, the, the gig economy has brought a whole new point of view to how we build our career. I remember a time and some really the recent past where recruiters just look at resumes and say, this person has jumped around too much. I think now we're seeing recruiters say, this person hasn't jumped around enough. So don't be afraid to dip your toe into something that maybe isn't perfect, but it's going to give you some great experience either way. And sometimes in the realm of HR, you got to stop, you got to start at the, you know, kind of at the, at the very bottom or kind of bare bones, uh, something that's maybe a little bit more administrative, et cetera. That's good experience for you to have and having that perspective is great. I'd also say that getting into HR, you get into HR from really any other aspect of the business because knowing that business is going to give you a great foundation for ultimately serving the people within that business. So if you start on the finance side or the accounting side or the marketing side, you're still learning people, you're still learning workforce, you're still learning culture, you're still learning all of those things because you're experiencing it firsthand. You may not have an HR job, an HR job, you know, air quotes, that leads to an HR job. You may have something else that takes you there. I'd be willing to consider that as well. Charlie, can you tell about a time you were successful in the past, what you learned from the success, and what we can learn from the success you had in the past? You know, again, I mean, success is, is, is in the eye of the beholder. I mean, I certainly am, am proud to say that I've had a, a really interesting and dynamic career and certainly success along the way. Maybe rather than point out a particular point or a particular instance of that success, I do think that there's some themes in what has driven success for me. And one of those themes is a willingness, just that word, a willingness to do some stuff that's different, to try a role or a project that is maybe a little ambiguous, that's new, that no one else has done before, a willingness to raise my hand when no one else would. You know, sometimes stepping to the front of the line gives you opportunities that you wouldn't have ordinarily had. Don't be afraid to take some risks. I I think when I've taken risks, when I've done stuff that has stretched me, or that maybe on paper, I wasn't even necessarily qualified for, I came out the other end of that in a much better place. And it, and it led to things, frankly, that I would have never imagined possible for me. So, so I, I do think a lot of it is about willingness, have a willingness and success will follow. Yeah, I really like that term, Charlie, willingness. I like that term a lot. That's a good one to have. Next, talk about a time that you failed, or you learned from this failure and what we can learn from this. Well, th- I'll tell you, those, those instances outnumber the former part of this conversation, that's for sure. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, just so, so quickly, again, I, I think willingness applies here, too. You've got to be willing to fail, man. I mean, you know, if, if we get scared of failing, we will never, ever, ever move the needle, advance, truly evolve. So let's just get that out of the way, right? That's, that's absolutely one word that we got to be comfortable with. I think the other thing as an HR leader, one of the mistakes that I made more often than, than I would have liked was... Entering any sort of challenge, opportunity, issue with two formed a solution. You know, in in my mind, what I thought was the right answer 
was probably not the right answer. And rather than taking the time to really understand the situation, to listen to others who had a point of view about it, and to consider all of those things before ultimately landing on a solution or a recommendation, I sometimes kind of held on to it like a you know puppy with a chew toy and just really wouldn't let go. No, this is the approach. So I think HR leaders that can, or, or any leader for that matter, that, that, that can take the time to, to really make sure they've considered all sides of this story and that they've heard from as many people as they can and they've looked at as many pieces of data that they can are always going to be in a, in a better place. I mean, intuition is great and gut answers a lot of, or solves a lot of problems, but it cannot be relied on in and of itself. Yes. More great advice. Charlie, talk about someone who's helped you in the past and how they helped you. So, I mean, I've had a lot of those people for sure. And if, if you can't say the same, then you can actually take control of that. One of the things that I've, I've really thought highly of, and I can't remember even who I learned this from, is the idea of having a personal board of directors, right? I mean, so organizations have boards of directors and they do that for lots of reasons, but one of them is to get an outsider's point of view, an independent point of view, and a diverse set of points of views to create better, more creative, thoughtful, meaningful solutions. And you can do the same thing for yourself. I mean, create a board of directors and, and be meticulous about it. Be, be methodical about it. You know, I want to have five people and I want to have somebody represented from this place and that place and this place. And you know what? Your mom can be on your personal board of directors, but so can a former colleague. So, so can someone that you really admire and have watched grow in their own career. But consult with that group, again, in a really methodical way. I had a former boss who really was the first guy that I worked with in the HR realm. His name is, I'm not afraid to tell you his name. His name is Jim Wall and, and really one of, frankly, a, a legend in, in the realm of corporate HR. And he taught me that word willingness. He, he was one of those guys that really encouraged me to take risks and to do things that I wouldn't have ordinarily done. And frankly, he gave me permission to fail, which I think is maybe one of the, the biggest things any leader can do is explicitly give permission to your people to make a mistake because they're going to do it. And if they can do it on their own uh, and get comfortable with doing it and then turning that into results, then you're in a great place. Yes. I, I love that concept of personal board of directors. I think that's great advice. More people will need to start doing that instead of just, you know, doing stuff on their own, you know, just throw your ideas out there. I think that's a great, great advice. Can you tell us something about yourself that most people don't know? Of course, you know, your family, close friends, but most people don't know this about, about yourself. Oh, God, I hate those questions. I always feel like I should be, I should have some really interesting, you know, story. And unfortunately, my life is pretty, pretty vanilla. Let's see if I can tell you something good. You know what, where I am happiest, and this is maybe going to be a surprise to people, I am happiest in the kitchen. I really like to cook. And that's not always, you know, at the barbecue grill in the backyard. It's at any number of things. I like experimentation. That's one of the places I can do it. I like making mistakes, as we've talked about. That's one of the places I can do it. So it's a good creative outlet for me. And that's where I sometimes just go to get away from things. Charlie, um, do you have a book you can recommend for our listeners? Yeah, you know, I got a couple of them. And, I, you know, it's, obviously it depends on the audience, but... If you're in the HR community, there's a book called The Workforce of One. And I've got a bunch on my bookshelf, and that's one that's probably most prominent. It's one that I consult with on a, on a regular basis, and, and certainly more so when, when I was an HR leader or actively an HR leader. The, the whole premise is, is really about the customization of the workplace experience and, and recognizing that we need to start delivering to the individual, not to the 
whole or to the organization. We, we need to start creating you know, certainly the programs and the policies and the, you know, the, the operating systems, but really just more the relationships at the individual level and recognizing that everybody comes, who comes through your doors is probably there for a different set of reasons. Different things are going to motivate them. They're aspiring at different places. They're at different places in their own life experience. And how we respond to those as an HR organization has a lot to say about kind of how we customize the experience for our people. Customization is really powerful in the workforce. It's a little bit of an older book. It's written by a woman named Susan Contrell. I think that's right. Don't quote me on it, but Workforce of One. The other one, kind of a shameless plug. I didn't write the book. I did write the forward for it, but it's called uh, When Millennials Take Over. Uh, uh, subtitle, The Ridiculously Optimistic Future of Work. It's really more about the future of work than it is about millennials, but it's about kind of where we think culture is going, the behaviors, the actions in the workplace, and those organizations that are really kind of leading the edge on busting up the kind of traditional paradigms of work. Written by Jimmy Notter and Maddie Grant, uh, two people who I know and love. Great book. Pick it up. Charlie, honestly, you have something for our listeners today. Oh, yeah, yeah. So again, as we started the conversation with today, uh, we have a workforce or a culture management platform. It's in the cloud. It's pretty cool. It's powerful. It starts with a survey, takes 15 minutes, and then we create some really interesting data. I'd love for anybody that has even any inkling of starting to get intentional about culture to come and try our products or you start making any sort of decisions on it. And by the way, if you're out there looking for a technology and the vendor won't let you kick the tires on it, then that's probably not the right vendor for you. Um, but we're offering up some free trials and just reach out to me directly at cjudy at workxo.com and uh, be happy to get you started on it. It's really easy and not invasive at all of your people. Very easy to get into. So love to do that. So Charlie, speaking of social media, can you provide like your, your social media platform for yourself, for your company, so people can reach out to you? Yeah, sure. So uh, on Twitter, you can follow me individually at HR Fishbowl. Company is, uh, company's Twitter is, is uh, at WorkXO. Find me on LinkedIn. We do have a, a page on, on Facebook. It's called the Workplace Genome. And yeah, my email address, as I just shared, is cjudy at workxo.com. So Charlie, we're coming to the end of our podcast and our talk. Can you provide any like last minute advice or wisdom to our listeners on, you know, career advice or your company or whatever else you would like to talk about? No, man. You know, again, I just don't look at your career as this, you know, 25, 35, 45 year old, you know, entity. Look at it as a daily entity. Look for experience in everything that you do. And, and even if it's painful at the time, it, it is going to contribute something of value down the road, particularly if you accept it as much. So, you know, take these things in bite sizes, hack away at it, you know, hack your career, do it a day at a time and enjoy it while you do it, even if it sucks while you do it. Yes, more great advice. Charlie, thank you for being a guest again. I really appreciate it. I know you're a really, really busy, busy person growing your company. My yes. pleasure, Jason. To our guests, thank you for your time and remember to be great every day. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Kavnis HR. For more exclusive content, as well as your free copy of HR Laws, be sure to visit KavnisHR.com or connect with us on Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, and Facebook at Kavnis HR. Thanks again and be great every day.